Welcome to Let's Talk Luxury, the Mazars podcast series about how and why luxury brands are undergoing a business model makeover. In each episode, luxury experts discuss what's happening in the sector, from authenticity to circularity, new customer cohorts to retail experiences worth posting about. The luxury business model is changing, and in this series, we'll explore how to stay in vogue. So, let's talk luxury. Our guest today is Benedict Epinay. Benedict is the president and CEO of Comité Colbert, which has flown the flag for the French luxury industry since 1954. Today, it brings together luxury houses and cultural institutes from across Europe to promote the industry, make progress on sustainable development, and pass on knowledge to future generations of designers. Benedict, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Edward, for the invitation. The last 18 months have been a challenge for every sector, with luxury being no exception. Your members are a who's who of luxury leaders. Louis Vuitton, Christian Dior, Balenciaga, Hermes, Chanel, Cartier, I could easily go on. Do you think the COVID-19 pandemic will have lasting effects for top brands like them? Well, of course, the outbreak has been and still is a huge challenge like every industry deprived of its own distribution. And on our side, the closure of shops and department stores, of course, but also the end of travel retail and the closure of restaurants all over the world. If we talk about wines and spirits sector, all that were an earthquake for our maison. So the luxury industry had, like many others, some hard short-term effects, like, for example, in the beauty industry, the fall in sales of lipsticks, and conversely, the strong development of mascara, cosmetics, and today perfumes. But the surprise for observers, not insiders, who are used to the resilience of this industry, the surprise came with a strong and fast market recovery, beginning with uh, China at the end of the lockdown in early 2020 and continuing with the United States this year. This was not a surprise for us for many reasons. The first one, I think, is historical and consubstantial with luxury. Let me just remind you that uh, the desire for beauty and luxury is a constant in all civilization. If you had the chance of visiting the remarkable exhibition at the Musée des Arts Décoratifs in Paris called Luxe with an S, you was able to learn how much history shows us the continuous aspiration of women and men to put beauty and luxury products in their life like um, a medicament against anxiety or uh, like a proof of status in society. And no crisis had ever stopped it. And you will see in a survey we're going to publish in a few days that this is still the case in post-pandemic world. Um, precisely, this is what happened in China with this feeling of national pride to have conquered the disease and consequently to want to have fun, to reward oneself. And after China came United States with also a strong recovery for our businesses. The good surprise both in China and United States was the level of growth faster than we expected. That is why we are fundamentally optimistic on the long term. And here are the 
exogenous explanation. But we are mostly optimistic because this period has seen a lot of innovations in terms of digital and online experiences, but also, and we often forget it, in sustainability, which is a powerful driver for innovations in fashion, for example, with the research on alternatives for leather, with the work on upcycling products, in beauty too, with all the innovations about the refill products, with the plastic-free strategy, and uh, in wine and spirits also, with the huge work which have been already done on new grapes varieties to withstand the vagaries of the weather. You talk there about the resilience and the recovery, but you also mentioned innovation. Could you tell me a bit more about the innovation side? Absolutely. In our 2020 report, we published a study um, showing how crises in the past were opportunities to innovate, especially in our industry. And we have seen that this time, too, a lot of agility in all the maisons of Comité Colbert at every level of the organizations, people asking themselves how to reinvent their own job. Just one example, remember how quick fashion shows last year came on digital. The change took place in only few weeks. And thinking about challenges in digital, the crisis, of course, made many people think now is the time to try and see what happens. So as a result, many of them have taken strategic decisions which had been in the pipeline for a long time. And for example, selling on live stream, working with Alibaba, transforming their sales associate as mini website, able to present and sell online, which is quite a revolution. And all these were decisions that made the difference when market reopened last year. And on our side, I mean, from the Comité Colbert perspective, we made also a big shift with the launch in April of our mini program on WeChat to replace an event we should have hosted in Paris. This was the first digital event for us on an international point of view and really challenging for my team, I can confess today, um, because we are a collective of more than 100 members. What happened is last year, we, um, the International Commission, which is in charge of organizing events around the world to promote French luxury, um, we plan to invite our Maison's VIP Chinese clients to Paris to experience three days of unforgettable experiences that money can't buy. And because of the pandemic, we turned it into a mini program for Chinese millennials. And the mini program is now live uh, now since April. And we have more than 100 million of pages views. And this is a real success. And we are really proud of it. Uh, the experience is key on this mini program. It is like um, a virtual window opened on our maisons with a scenery featured by a Chinese illustrators collective. And you can find inside this program many videos, historical anecdotes about our maison, but also pictures and games. It's very rich. And doing that, 
We play our role to inspire and teach these consumers about French luxury. This is an immersive experience that we can now duplicate in other key markets. And this is all about transmission. What has surprised you most about customer appetite in China? Well, we, we, we knew the Chinese market was going to grow, um, but the speed surprised us. Um, also, the good performance over there um, of two businesses, home and perfumes, which we had not anticipated. Um, growth in China is tremendous. In the past two and a half years, 70% of luxury growth has come from this country and many of our brands have grown over 50%. Some of them even exceed 100%. And we still believe in China, despite the common prosperity project presented by President Xi Jinping, because this project is potentially a good news for the middle class. Figures already show that 400 millions of Chinese consumers will go from low income to middle class or higher over the next 10 to 15 years. And if you add the fact that the growth in China has also been driven by the rich, educated and enterprising use of the country, you understand why we are so optimistic. Moreover, we've just published a survey, which I already talked earlier, with the French company IFOP about the image of French luxury in United States and China in a post-pandemic world. And this survey teaches us that not only 50% of Chinese consumers want to buy more luxury, because for 91% of them, it is the expression of a status and a way of rewarding themselves with a refined pleasure. But we also learn that for 64% of Chinese, France is the country that best embodies luxury. So this is why this is also a good reason for us to be optimistic for the future. Keeping up with growth, new customers, and even technology, it's a lot to handle. Does it mean the sector needs people with new skills? I would say yes and no. The, the sector will always need talented hands to craft the product, artistic directors to imagine them, wine makers to, to produce the best wines, and so on. And that is the beginning of the story. So that will never change. And this is crucial because we are right now in a critical moment to recruit young people. We lack talents and hands. And our brands and maisons offer right now a lot of jobs opportunities. But this is true, and you are right, that the luxury industry will also require more and more new skills in um, digital environment, data, um, social listening, metaverse, 3D, artificial intelligence, biologies, and so on. Uh, just an example with retail. Maybe the profile of our sales associate will evolve in the future in two ways. One is, of course, digital. But the other is probably linked to savoir-faire in tailor-made experiences and storytelling.
we we all have in mind thinking about luxury industry this uh, you know romantic picture of craftsman and we all love it but it's only one part the most visible and loved of the iceberg the other part is much more futurist Think, for example, that Chanel has 250 biologists working for the brand in cosmetics. Um, and our brand are also recruiting dozens of data scientists. And because the luxury market growth will mainly come from consumers belonging to Gen Z and Gen Y, our maison are constantly adapting to stay at the forefront of technology and retail and then keep the advance. We hear a lot about how staying at the forefront of luxury is all about being more environmentally conscious, that that's what consumers want and that's what brands are doing. How has the Comité reacted to that very pro-sustainability trend? Absolutely. Environment is a key challenge for our maison. And above this, all topics linked to ESG um, are on the agenda of Comité Colbert and its member. But, you know, it's key, but it's not new. Um, the first meeting on that topic came in early 2000. But it is true, and you're right, that COVID gave an acceleration to, to the reflection. That means that we are um, today totally committed to advancing a number of topics like uh, a better equality between female and male in our industry, but also we are committed to promote a better education because we all know that only education breaks the cycle of poverty. We are committed to provide decent work for everybody in the world through our suppliers, to produce sustainable products, to act for climate and, and biodiversity. And we've published for the first time this year an ESG report uh, as a powerful testimony of what our industry does. And at the same time, this is an inspiration for others' industry. And we have inside Comité Colbert, of course, um, a commission dedicated to this important topic. But we have also two task forces with human resources director and sustainability directors where they, where they share experiences, especially between big and small maisons. And we know how um, this collective way of sharing challenges and issues are important. The Comité Colbert has the top names in the industry as members. And I know one of your frameworks, one of your main missions is sustainability. Can you tell me more about um, those frameworks that the Comité Colbert has committed to? Yeah, sure. Um, as you know, Comité Colbert has been created in 1954 uh, by Jean-Jacques Guerlain to, to promote, to protect and to develop the French luxury industry. And we gather today uh, 90 uh, luxury maisons among the best uh, known and also 17 cultural institutions like Château de Versailles, Opéra de Paris, Le Louvre, Le Musée d'Orsay and so on. Uh, promote, protect and develop the French industry. Um, luxury industry means that we are at the forefront in terms of influence on legislative topics but we are also very much concerned by the preservation of our savoir-faire 
Um, that means that we have to seduce young generation. Um, but we are concerned also by the preservation of biodiversity, like we talked earlier. And of course, we are present on the fields of anticipation of trends and markets to inspire our member um, in a prospective way. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you, Benedict, for taking the time to tell us more about the Comité Colbert and the future of fashion. Thank you, Edward. It was a pleasure to talk with you and thank you again for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Luxury. To find out more about changes in the luxury sector, search Mazars Making Over the Luxury Business Model or follow the link in the show notes. And to keep up with this series, subscribe on your favourite podcast app or go to mazars.com.